Good morning. Morning. Good to be with you again. Good to see well-kent faces and uh, a lot of bless you. This is a an important morning for me because this brings me to the end of my teaching year. Because I don't uh, look at the 1st of January as the end or the beginning of something. I always look at my birthday as the end of my teaching year. And the new year starts for me in my preaching from, from Saturday. Uh, Evelyn Christensen, anybody read any, any Evelyn Christensen's books? Uh, what happens when women pray? You'll be saying, why did you read a book like that? Well, I want to tell you it's the best book I've ever read on prayer. was Evelyn, Evelyn Christensen's book on. And she said something about her birthday prayer. And there's something resonated within my soul when I read that. And so for about the last... Possibly 15 years, I have always offered the birthday prayer. About three weeks before it, I asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray uh, on, on my birthday so that it will shape the next year that brings glory to you? And uh, without fail, uh, I get words on my, on my birthday morning, I write and, uh, out my birthday prayer, and nobody ever gets to know what it is. Uh, nobody ever gets to know what it is except me and God. Even Jenny doesn't get to know what that birthday prayer is. But it's amazing that during the year, without thinking about it, you see God working out and answering the prayer that you've prayed on your birthday. So this is the end of my, uh, of my teaching year, uh, because next week starts the start of uh, a new sense of what God wants to do and where God wants to take me. Already there's, there's, uh, there's wee niggles, there's wee germs, there's, uh, there's things starting to, to formulate. And I get excited about my birthday, not because I'm getting older, but I get excited about my birthday because I'm always anxious to see what God is going to do in the next year. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read some possibly unusual scriptures this morning. Uh, what I want to bring this morning uh, in the Holy Spirit is something that was only birthed about two weeks ago. And uh, I was one of the, of the preachers at uh, a Holy Spirit conference, uh, which was over about three days. And uh, on, on, on the second night, uh, as we were praying with the, with the rest of the, of the leaders and speakers, I just had this sense of a, of a phrase that came into, into, into my mind. And uh, from that phrase has built up uh, 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 just an, an understanding about what it really meant that night. And so, with my tie and my apostolic, my apostolic Pentecostal attire on, let's go to Leviticus chapter uh, 9. See, when I was young, I was brought up in, in Leviticus and Exodus. I was brought up in the tabernacle, I was brought up in the, in the offerings, I was brought up in the Feast of Jehovah. Things you never hear taught these days. But if you any of you have got a, a, a brethren background at all, like Sandy, he would uh, be... <laughs> we were brought up in all these things. We had whole series in the tabernacles and the offerings and the Feast of Jehovah. They were... That was what we were taught, and we were always taught to understand and rightly divide the scripture. You had to understand the three sets of uh, uh, sevens in the scripture, uh, and the three sets of uh, sevens in the scripture are, are the seven feasts of Jehovah, are the seven parables of the kingdom in Matthew 13, and the message to the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And if you could understand these three sets of, of sevens, you could understand the Bible. I'm not too sure that's true now, but that's, that's how we were brought up way back when I was a young boy. So let's go to Leviticus chapter 9, and I won't find it in Joshua. 
And we'll just see where the Holy Spirit wants to take us this morning. He may just sort of stop in one of these passages, but we're going to read a few passages this morning. Leviticus chapter 9 is the start of Aaron and the priesthood. Uh, going in before God on behalf of the people so Exodus chapter 9 uh, Leviticus chapter 9 is where Aaron as, as the high priest and his sons are actually uh, being prepared to be the, the, the priests who would offer up the sacrifices on behalf of themselves and on behalf of the children of Israel so we're going to break in just at the end of the chapter and it's, uh, we're going to break in at verse 22 then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them and having uh, and having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of the meeting, or the tabernacle. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. How wonderful must that have been, to stand amongst these millions of people who had, who had come out of Egypt, who were now standing on the verge of going into the promised land. How wonderful it must have been, that when they did these things, the glory of God just fell on the people. You know, I long for these days when we experience something with the tangible glory of God falling in our presence that we just know because we know we're in his presence and he just draws and comes near us so closely. And it says that the glory of the Lord came down and appeared to all the people and fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. Imagine seeing fire coming out of heaven and going on to that, that, that brazen altar and consuming what was on it. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to see the glory of God, the glory of God appearing before the people and fire coming out of his presence that consumed the sacrifice that was on it. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell down on their faces before God. If we could stop there, that would be wonderful. That would just be wonderful if you stop there in this place of glory, this place of, uh, of majesty, this place of uh, just being in the presence of God and seeing his power uh, operating in the place where they were. But we've got to read on because there was no, no chapters and verses in the original. And of course the next one is Aaron's son Nadab, and into chapter 10 now, Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them and added incense and they offered in my version it's unauthorized fire other versions it will be strange fire other versions it will be alien fire but they, they, they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord which was contrary to his command so fire came out again from the presence of God and it consumed them you know we are dealing with a holy God here we are dealing with a God who has order, who is a God who lays foundations, who has a God who is holy and righteous. And here was two guys who should have known much better because they were Aaron's sons. They had already been uh, uh, washed and cleansed in chapter 9. But they thought that all that God said, it was okay for other people, but it wasn't okay for them. And they could decide what they could do in God's presence. And God says, no, you can't. You cannot decide to bring into my presence anything that is of yourselves. You must bring into the presence of God only that which is of me. That's a challenge to me. Since I had gotten that phrase, strange fire, in that Holy, Conf in that Holy Spirit conference uh, about two or three weeks ago, I just got that sense that we've got to be on our guard for strange fire, for unauthorized fire, for taking into the presence of God that which is not of God. 
uh, and that's been a real challenge to me over these last two weeks and I've just looked at this and, and, and meditated on it and here was uh, Nadab and Abihu they thought they could do it their way you know and a lot of our Christianity at times is done our way it's not done according to what God wants and the only fire the only fire that Aaron could take into the presence of God was the fire that was started by God on the brazen altar because that fire was never to go out. That fire was always to be lit and continued to be lit night and day. So the only fire that was acceptable in God's presence was the fire that came from him. Now that's a challenge to us. And we're going to see that as we go. And let's turn over now to Matthew chapter 3. Uh, and we'll come back to, to this. I just want to read some scriptures this morning. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to break into uh, to John the Baptist as the one who prepares the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to break into it at verse number 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, John says, but after me will come one, that's verse number 11 in Matthew 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Wow. Let's go over to Acts chapter 2. We're just going to run through some scriptures here. And whether we get a chance to touch on them, I don't know. Unless we're here till the evening service starts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're just going to read verse 1 there uh, and 2 of Acts chapter 2. For the day of Pentecost come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. And where they were sitting, they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. So the link between all these scriptures is the word fire. And I believe God wants to give us a message this morning about fire. Now I want you to turn over lastly to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I get excited about a lot of what I preach but this time it's been a real challenge because we're actually dealing with holy things before a holy God First uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and we're going to break into the chapter uh, verse number 10 by the grace of God or by the grace of God has, has it given me I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it but each one should be careful how he builds that's underline that. Each person should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, or hay, or straw, or stubble, this work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Your life is important. Your life in the kingdom is important. Your life as being the, an irreplaceable part of the body of Christ is important. And one day what you've invested your life in will be shown and brought up in the day. And it says this, it will be revealed with fire. That same fire that came out of the presence of God is the same fire that will, be, that will reveal your life investment. And I want to spend a wee bit of time on that towards the end of what we're talking about. What is your life investment and how will it stand up? in the day of judgment 
the judgment seat of Christ, not for to be judged and to be cast into the lake of fire, but judged for reward. When, the, when your life investment is brought up to, to the light and the fire tries it and reveals it, will it stay or will it be burnt? You see, that's a challenge to me. You see, that is a challenge to me that when I stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, will I see what my life investment has been in the kingdom as standing and staying, or will it be that I see it burnt up? And then it goes on to say, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality, not the quantity. You know, I want you to notice that it doesn't speak about the quantity of your Christian life, it speaks about the quality of your Christian life. How it has been used for the kingdom, how it has been used for the glory of God. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Mm. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. It is burned, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Do you not know that yourselves are God's temple and that God's Holy Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. So you can see it's quite a challenging word this morning that I believe that God has, uh, has put in my heart to bring you. Uh, it's a challenge to me and if it isn't a challenge to me therefore it can never be a challenge to you and so I have really been challenged by, uh, by these uh, by these scriptures and what it's uh, brought out to me is this, this phrase and if you don't remember anything else I say this morning if you remember this it's only what comes out of the presence of God that we can take back into the presence of God and, uh, I want to repeat that it is only what comes out of the presence of God are we then able to take back into the presence of God and whether it's in the, old, uh, in the Old Testament where the fire came down on the altar, and it was only that fire that Aaron could take into the presence of God. And just as the Holy Spirit has come down with fire, it's only what's in the power of the Spirit that we can take back into the presence of God. Because no flesh, no flesh can survive in the presence of God. No flesh has any place in the presence of God. And that's a real challenge to me this morning. What do I bring in when I come? What does my lifestyle bring? Does it bring in, in uh, that which is of the spirit or does it bring in of the flesh? There's so much strange fire going around today. Now I don't watch the God channel. Uh, and if you do, that's not, that's, uh, I'm not making a judgment on that this morning. I don't watch it personally because there's a lot of things that I hear on the God channel to me is <coughs> a strange fire. It's not of God. It's not of God at all. You know it's not of God. It's all about man and it's all about money. One of the pastors down south decided to listen to the God channel and tried to listen to it as an unbeliever. You know, he tried to listen to it without any sense of being a believer, but he tried to listen to it as unbelievers would hear it. And he was shocked by what he heard because he was hearing it through a different pair of, of ears. And if an unbeliever was, was watching a lot of these things, they would be convinced it was all about money. It was all about money. You're always waiting for the wee bit to come up, aren't you? Now, if you want me to pray for you, send in this. And, you know, you're able to pray yourself. <laughs> because you are a priest before God and you can come into the presence of God. You don't need to pay somebody $100 and get a wee book and know that he's going to pray for you. You're able to do it yourself. That is strange fire. Because there's only what? One mediator between God and man. And that's who? It's the man Christ Jesus. 
And so we are in such a privileged uh, place this morning that we are able to approach the presence of God. But we've got to be careful what we approach it with. You know, I was hearing uh, that there was uh, there's a new a new thing happening, and it was a maybe you saw it on this new is it TBN channel? Uh, I don't know if it's channel 65 or whatever. As I hear people talking about it, but this man was actually speaking about a cow that was born and it had a number seven on its back when it was born, and so they built a whole ministry around this cow. You know, they've actually built a whole ministry around this cow, and they're asking people if you want a picture of the cow or if you want the DVD of the teaching about the cow, send in the. You know, this is strange fire. And yet the people of God are going after it because they're not prepared to really get down to living lives that are righteous and holy and they see any excuse to live a different kind of life. I want to tell you as a Christian, you cannot lead a different kind of Christ than that which is built on Christ Jesus. You cannot lead a Christian life on anything else that is built, that is not built upon because he is the cornerstone. We sang about that this morning, you know. We sang about the cornerstone this morning. And we need to make sure as Christians, because we've got to stand before a righteous God, and you've got to give an account of your priesthood. I've got to give an account of my priesthood before God. Wow. That's solemn. As the days slip by and we're not engaged in, in things of God, we've got to give an account of our priesthood. And just as uh, uh, Nedab and Abihu had to give an account of their priesthood because they offer strange fire, unauthorized fire, fire that was not commanded by God or lit by God, and the fire of God came out and consumed them. Wow. You see, God is a God of righteousness. And the God that we serve, whether it's the Old Testament God or the New Testament God, our God never changes. He is still the same God. He is still holy. As Peter writes, be you holy, for I am holy. And there needs to be a sense of righteousness comes back into Christian living. Now, I'm not here to judge anyone this, this morning. I've got to judge myself. But as a preacher or a teacher of the Word of God, I've got to be true to what the Holy Spirit is saying to me in order to pass on to other people. And I believe that this, this closing message in my teaching here is a challenge to me as I pray as a challenge to you. That the, the strange fire that Nedab and Abihu brought and they knew what the proper procedure was. They were part of it. They were part of God's plan. They were part of God. God wrote the script for that day. God actually wrote the script. This is how you approach me. This is how you come. This is what you bring. This is what you wear. This is what the anointing oil is. And that is the only way that you can approach me. But Nedab and Abihu, they thought they could do it a different way. They thought they could go into God before the presence of God with any old thing. They were the wrong people with the wrong fire at the wrong time in the wrong place. And God came down and fire came out for his presence. And it says that their tunics weren't burnt. They must have, God must have just come down and actually killed them with his fire because they were able to carry the bodies out. They still had their tunics on. Can you imagine how Aaron felt standing there looking at his two sons? Nedab was his firstborn. He was going to be the successor to Aaron when Aaron died. He was going to be the next high priest. And can you imagine what was in Aaron's heart as he stood there and he saw his two sons consumed by the fire of God? You see, God is no respecter of persons. And if you 
in that day offer these strange fire or appear before God in the wrong way with the wrong things at the wrong time God had to make an example because if he didn't judge it anyone else could start to do the same thing isn't you glad that we live in a day of grace <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you glad you live in a day of grace but my mind goes to Ananias and Sapphira you know they, they lived in this new, this new covenant era and they thought they could lie to God they thought they could come before God any old way and say yeah that's what they got for this, this bit of land and they know they kept back part of the price in Acts chapter 5 you know they came before God uh, separately Ananias is this what you got for the piece of land yeah <laughs> he was gone and his wife came in and they said to his, his wife is this what you got for the land yeah and she was gone you know, aren't you glad that, that that was only the example at the start that it's, it, it, it's important that we approach God in righteousness and holiness because we don't want to come under the judgment of God because of unrighteous unholy living I want to tell you this morning as I tell myself how I live during the week affects how the body of Christ functions I'm going to say that again. How you live during the week affects how the body of Christ actually functions because you are an integral, irreplaceable part of the body of Christ. What a privilege it is that we represent the body of Christ here on earth and how we live from day to day affects how that body functions. See, my heart doesn't always function right and that's why I ended up in hospital. So when my heart was wasn't functioning right, it affected how the rest of my body actually functioned. And so it's the same in the spiritual. What we live our lives for affects how the body of Christ functions in a nation, in a community, and in a church. You see, if we want to really experience the, the manifold or, or the manifest presence of God we kind of live as we want and expect to come collectively and corporate together and expect to experience that because what we bring into the fellowship affects how it functions when we come corporate together how, I'm getting into deep stuff here but I believe it's so true that we need to learn that when we're not when we're apart we're still part of the body of Christ when we're apart we're still part of the fellowship here uh, and in new beginnings. When we're apart, we're still part of the, of the body of Christ in Scotland and we're still part of the body of Christ globally. That's how big the body of Christ is. And you, how you act determines how that body functions. You know, that, that's, that's serious, you know. Because this is not just a, a, a... We need to stop playing at Christianity. I'm not saying you play at Christianity, but when I see what's happening out there, I see so many so-called so Christians playing not praying, playing, what's the pray, but playing at Christianity. When there's, they're dealing with holy things before a holy God. And this hyper grace, have you heard the hyper grace? Who's heard the hyper grace? This is a new a new thing that's actually sweeping across across the nations. It's called hyper grace. It means it doesn't matter how you live, the blood of Christ will cover you. That's what hyper and, and the people are flocking to it. Why? Because it means that they don't have to judge their own lives. And they take Romans uh, 
Is it six, five, where, where Cinnabound's grace does to superabound? So they say to themselves in this teaching that it doesn't matter how you live from day to day, the blood of Jesus covers you. Now, up to a point, that is true. <laughs> Thank God for the blood of Jesus, amen? Come on, thank God for the blood of Jesus that does sort of cover us. When we come confessing our sins, he is able to forgive us. But hypergrace tells you, that doesn't matter anymore. Hypergrace tells you, live as you want. Eat, drink and be merry. Do whatever you want to do because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. I want to tell you, one day is coming when they will stand and give an account of their priesthood. And one day is coming when you and I will stand and give an account of our priesthood. And this hypergrace is, is so, so damaging to the body of Christ because it, it makes, there's no difference then between the body of Christ and the body that's out in the world because they're just living the same way as, as the world lives because they know that, uh, or they believe that the, the blood of Jesus is going to, is going to cover all, all their bad living. I want to tell you, they're in for a tremendous shock. Because the God that we serve is a God of righteousness and a God of holiness. So here was Nedab. I've got to think about that name. I'm a bit dyslexic. I always want to put the B before the D or the D before the B. But Nedab and Abishu, they thought they could do it a different way from what God prescribed. And they lost their lives. I'm just thinking about Saul here. You know, King Saul. You know, he, he thought he could do it his way too. You know, uh, Samuel told them that he was to go in against, against the Amalekites and he was to kill everything, including all the sheep and everything like that, and, uh, uh, and wait for, uh, for Samuel to come. And then when Samuel approached him, he said, he, said, uh, he said to Samuel, I've done everything you said. And Samuel said, and what's the bleeding I hear? What's, what's that I hear? You see, he had only done so much of what God had said, but he hadn't completed the fullness of God. See, God, when God says us his word, this is what we do. It's imperative, that's what we do. <laughs> you know, it's imperative, it's not what, what we do. And Samuel said, what's that bleeding I hear? Nedab and Abihu, they lost their lives. King Saul at that moment lost the kingdom. Because it was at that moment that Samuel said, the kingdom has been taken from you. It was a few years later before it happened. But that was the moment that God says, your kingdom has been removed. And so, Nedab and Abihu, their lives were removed. Saul, because he didn't do it God's way, he lost the kingdom. And that's why I read these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because not doing it God's way means that you lose your reward. You know, because there is a time where we'll stand before Jesus Christ. Let's just turn back to that in, in, in our Bibles. Uh, there's so much more I, I could say, but I believe that the Holy Spirit wants me to come to, to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3. I hope you're not going to go out here today in fear and trembling. Well, maybe I do. <laughs> maybe I do want us to go out here with a bit of fear and trembling. And really give thought to how we live our Christian life. Because God has no other eyes and no other arms and no other feet and no other way about bringing the kingdom about except through you and through me. That's how serious this is. That we are left here to complete the work that Jesus started. And we are now his body here on earth. Where does see where we're going? My father, sweet, I'll give you a sweet amount. I not any sweet to give you. I was preaching last night in Edinburgh. <laughs> And uh, I'm part of a 
of a wee choir who sings we're, we're sitting at Roma 6 years last night I don't know what you, you call a, a 6 what's, what's a 6? I know a quartet's 4 what's 6? it was a septet we had last night then. Uh, and we used to have a 7 which is a what? Yeah, it was only 6 years last night and uh, we actually <laughs> we actually it was a, it's a wee mission hall called, called the Merkison Mission it meets away up uh, off Gorgie Road and we had a job getting to it because of the rugby two of the guys who play who play guitars uh, to sing that song He Knows My Name I don't know if you remember one day I, I was here and we sang that at the end He Knows My Name He Knows My Every Thought He Sees Each Tear That Falls and Hears Me When I Call that's such a powerful powerful song and I said to the, the, the two guys, I wonder if you'd play that and I'll maybe preach out of that. I said, yeah. So they, so they went to learn it. So one guy came back to me and said, I looked at the song, Bert. He said, it's not a very good song. I said, oh, okay. I said, but that just, uh, if you could learn it. He says, I. Then he came back to me again. He says, the more I sing this song, the more depth I see it. And the more I'm getting drawn into the song. And the more I just love the truth that this song brings out. And so I'm glad that he got into the, into the heart of the song. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 it's, Paul was speaking about really what was happening in the Old Testament because God had laid the foundation for approaching him and Paul is saying that he has laid a foundation in which the church operates he, he has been the master builder and he's laid the foundation in fact he, he built one from what Christ had built because it says in Acts chapter 2 that they continued in the, in the apostles teaching and, and, and prayer and breaking the bread and all these things and so there is a foundation for our faith uh, and it's one of these teachings that we never hear much these days is looking again at what are the foundations of our faith because if we've got the foundations of our faith right in our lives then it makes it easier to build on because we are stones in God's building you're a stone in God's building a unique stone in God's building you're a stone in God's building a unique stone in God's building and he wants to place you in the place that you're going to be the most uh, use when he's building this, uh, this, uh, this body, this building this, 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 this temple and uh, so you are so unique you know, isn't it wonderful that I think they say today that on the planet Earth there are about 6 billion souls I believe that's what they say there are about 6 billion souls and every one of them is different how creative is our God eh? that every one of them is different and you take all, all the billions that have gone before us and possibly those who are going to come after us they're all uniquely different last night when we were preaching on, on, on that we went to Psalm 139 you know I, I, I knit you together in your mother's room uh, I, I saw you when you were in that unformed, unformed place you, know? you see God has uniquely created us to be who we are but once we come under not only knowing him as our maker but once we come in to know him as our father you know that relationship show us the father how do we get to the father I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me and it's such a creative God if you missed a beautiful sort of sunset one night and somebody says to you did you see the sunset last night and there was one about last week or, or, or two weeks ago it was seen around the whole world there was people writing for Japan and all these places did you see the sunset last night and if you didn't see it God says it's okay I'll make another one tonight that's how creative our God is when we see the beauty of creation but it's wonderful to know that that same God creates in you what he wants you to be isn't that, isn't that amazing that God has got a plan a purpose for your life that you become that, that not that brick in the building because brick belongs to Egypt stones belong to God 
if, if you make a note of that make a note of that bricks belong to Egypt but stones belong to God because God creates the stones and man creates the bricks and we don't want to and that wood hay and stubble or that hay and stubble was what the Egyptians had to make the bricks with wasn't it and if that's what your life has been built on it'll get burnt up so my question I've, I've lost track of time my watch isn't working either so I haven't got a watch on and there's not a clock here and uh, are we due to finish I want to just uh, bring to a close this wee talk and uh, it's about foundations you can't build on any other foundation like what Jesus Christ has laid if anyone tells you to do something you've got to check it by the word you know God will never tell you to do something that's not in his word <coughs> He'll never tell you to do something. I hear people saying, well, I was compelled to do it. I felt I had to do it. But when you examined it, it had nothing to do with the word of God. And that's the foundation that we build our lives on. Amen? The foundation that we build our lives on is the word of God. This is the word of the living God. And this is how he wants to live our lives, based on the foundation of that as. Any other foundation is wrong. Any other foundation is shaky. It's like the man with the house, isn't it? It's built upon the rock or it's built upon the sand. And then it says that uh, if anyone builds on this foundation, you go silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw. This work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Wow. Isn't that a challenge? Isn't that a challenge? That the day will bring it to light. You, you might live your life away from here I'm not saying you do but I'm challenging myself here you might live your life away from here and because there's nobody there you might just not live it as you should but I'm thinking of Joseph here you know I think of Joseph and he he, he could have got away with, with that in Egypt you know he could have got away with that in Egypt nobody was around about him and here was this temptation with this beautiful woman who, 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 was, who was tempting him. And he could have quite easily got away with that. I thought he could he got away with that. But that's how Joseph lived. Joseph lived knowing that he served a righteous and holy God. I wish some of these, these pastors that get caught up in that sin could only think about that. Could only think about that. They're a blot, they're a, a, a blot in the testimony. You know, because when all these things come to light about, about fraud, about sex, about pornography, about all the things that bring down the, these big high-profile pastors, it has an effect on the testimony. It behoves us to live and build on the foundations which is Jesus Christ and which is the Word of God. And our lives, my life's got to, be, my life's got to become and be seen in the light because the day's got to bring my, my life to light. It's too late to do anything about it. My life is gone. My life is past. There's nothing I can change. Maybe there are things I would love to go back and change, but I can't do that. But when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the old-fashioned brethren word, come on, Sandy, what was the old-fashioned brethren word for that? It was the beamer. You remember? Remember getting taught about the beamer? <laughs> All you young guys will know, know, know what we're talking about here, but that, that's what we were brought up at. We, we appeared before the beamer seat, you know, the judgment seat of Christ. And it wasn't to be judged in that respect of sin, it was to be judged about the quality, not the quantity, but the quality of our lives. And I'll tell you, that really shakes me to the core. 
that one day my whole life will come before the line and it'll be revealed but not only that it'll all also be revealed in the fire the fire that's now that's helping me to live a holy life filled with the Holy Spirit moving on in the fullness of the Holy Spirit overflowing in the Holy Spirit being baptised in the Spirit and here's a life that's going to be tried by that same fire and it says this if I can find my place again it says this it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work well, a solemn note I've got a wee poem on my iPad I feel like I want to read it is that alright when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and he shows his plan for me the plan of my life as it might have been had he had his way but I see why I blocked him here and I checked him there and I would not yield my will Will there be grief in my Saviour's eyes? Grief, though he loves me still. Would he have me rich and I stand there poor, stripped of all but his grace? While memory runs like a, hunt, a hunted thing down the paths I cannot retrace. Lord of the years that are left to me, I give them to your hand. Take me, break me, mould me to the pattern that you I've planned. What a powerful poem. Anonymous <laughs> says it. No idea who wrote that. But it just sums up what we've been saying. You're, what you invest every day in your life. What you invest every day in your life. Your life investment will be tried by fire. At the judgment seat of Christ. And I want you. I want you. I really want you as I want myself. To be there. To be the recipient of the reward of a good and faithful servant amen just a good well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your Lord that's what I want for you and I want for me this morning but there is the other side of the coin that like Nadab and Abihu you might know what God's saying you might know what God wants you to do but you think you've got a better way or you think you've got a way that enhances you rather than glorifies God. And when you come to that day of revelation, of your life being revealed in the light and the fire, and to see it burned up as wood, hay and stubble, and enter heaven, heaven as if by fire. Amen? Might be a solemn word, might be a challenging word, but I think it's a word that we need to hear. Because today, is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And what, how you lived yesterday doesn't have to be the lifestyle tomorrow because of decisions you're going to make today. Amen? Your lifestyle yesterday does not have to be your lifestyle of tomorrow because of decisions that you make in God's presence today. I commend God's word to you challenging but I commend it to you in Jesus name. Amen.